0: Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. I am Brian Peacock alongside the scout, Matt Williamson. Hello again. A normal show for us today. We had the Locked On NFL mock draft special all last week. I hope you all enjoyed that. It was a super fun event for us to do here, but we've got some catching up to do a little bit of news. Want to talk McCaffrey, mega signing, the Brandon Cooks trade, the Houston Texans and trade and build doing things. And uh, I'm going to run some things, Matt, by you. A lot of anonymous scouts, a lot of tips are happening. A lot of leaks are coming out. I want to see which one of these pass the smell test for you in this lying season uh, that we have right now. As we approach the NFL draft, it's this week. It is draft week, Matt.
1: Yeah, happy draft week to you. It's Monday, so what is this, draft week, EVV, something like that. So (laughs) I'm pretty fired up, to be honest with you. And let's dig right in, brother.
0: Absolutely. What do you think? Do you pay a running back? And if you do pay running backs, you've got to pay Christian McCaffrey, right? 16 mil a year for four years, the Panthers re-upped a guy that I thought maybe they could potentially dangle in trade because having a great running back while your team's bad doesn't probably help you win a lot of games.
1: Yeah, I think they're a super interesting organization. And I've really thought that since David Tepper took over, because his reputation is so strong, very analytical based, very Wall Street based. And then he goes out and hires Matt Rule. And I love that acquisition in terms of, here's a lot of money, here's a real long-term contract, it's your show, son, you're the guy I want, and Rule has consistently built strong programs from the base up, and stresses speed, and out the door are Cam and Keekly. and now it's time for a totally new regime, a new face of the franchise. And yes, they're rebuilding, but the more I pay attention to them, I mean, they trade, t- trade Turner for Russell O'Coon. They extend McCaffrey. They go out and get Robbie Anderson. I think they think they're close. They're not blowing it up like the Browns and the Dolphins, to my point. Yeah, they're rebuilding. Uh, maybe they're, they're after a Lawrence or somebody like that next year. But in the meantime, I don't think they're going to be a sham. I mean, early on in this process, I thought they might have a top two pick. I think their offense has a chance to be pretty darn good now. And I would imagine this defense... Is or this draft is all about defense. Maybe that's Derek Brown or Isaiah Simmons to start that ball rolling. But draft defense and defensive speed in particular. Keep McCaffrey around, and I don't know if this is the right decision or not because we did talk about maybe you should trade him because where's he going to be when the time you're good. But if you're going to ever give a, a running back money, this is the guy because of the receiving skills, and frankly. Sammy Watkins is making 16 million a year, you know, like who's get money to, you know, this kind of money to just for the receiving game alone, McCaffrey or Sammy Watkins or Alan Robinson or Amari Cooper, you know, like those guys are great, but do they affect the passing game dramatically more than McCaffrey, not to mention what else he adds in. And I hope that they do add AJ Dillon or Hunt or Vaughn or someone that's a little bit of a pounder in round four and try to make McCaffrey, you know, last.
0: You do have to be smart with McCaffrey. If you're going to pay that much money, uh, I think it's really important to make sure he's healthy for that contract. If you're going to pay him $16 million a year and build the offense around him. And Adam Thielen's another wide receiver. It's like, who are you going to pay Christian McCaffrey or that level of wide receiver when McCaffrey caught more balls last year, and then you add his Mm -hmm. rushing ability to that and maybe expand on that. The most valuable aspect of that receiving is how much of it down the field, the bigger plays you're making. And so I wonder if splitting him out more often and using him that way rather than as a battering ram will also not only increase his value, but keep him a little bit more healthy than it would be if he's getting some of those dirty carries, as they say. Obviously, it's a lot easier to find someone who's a capable running back than to find someone you can just plug in off the street and be a wide receiver, which is one of the other arguments uh, with running backs. But here's the other thing is you're a business like that's the that's the only guy you have left that's selling jerseys. True. So from that aspect, it's like, oh, my gosh, okay, you kind of have to pay him and recoup that money, put some butts in the seats, even if you are rebuilding. So I can see it from just a business standpoint, too even if you are a running backs don't matter guy, which I side with most of the time.
1: Yeah, and whether it's Teddy or Walker, who I'm a little bit interested in, or quarterback that's still in college, you sure would like to have McCaffrey to make your transition easier.
0: How about the Houston Texans and Bill O'Brien continuing to maneuver and uh, really shaking up that wide receiver group now. They had already added Randall Cobb in free agency after trading away DeAndre Hopkins, and now they make a trade with the Rams for Brandon Cooks.
1: I want to talk about both sides of this real quick. First of all, the Rams now have a ludicrous amount of dead money in guys that aren't Rams. And then if you include Goff's contract in there, Goff girly cooks are costing the Rams a lot of money, and only one of them is going to play football for them this year. And is he worth the money he's getting? That's questionable. That being said, I think this move has a lot to do with Tyler Higby. You know. They like Gerald Everett. I like Gerald Everett. Tyler Higbury took the world by storm for the last six weeks of the season. And I think we're going to see tons of 12 personnel, which will help their ailing offensive line. And it's going to be Woods, and it's going to be Cup. And sure, they're going to go three wide with Reynolds, but they they started out as a 90-some percent team of three receiver sets. So they are cha- very drastically changing the way they play football on offense and who's going to get the snaps. So I'm cool with that in that you also pick up a second round pick. We were talking about the Rams this the other day that they need a little bit of everything. I mean, that second round pick is very valuable to them, especially without a first and cooks has a lot of concussion problems. I mean, so I'm one of the first positives I can say for the Rams, good work, but you're paying a lot of money to people that aren't playing football for you. As for the Texans, Bill O'Brien is, has the biggest target on his chest of anyone in the league this off season. And I get that the Hopkins trade was terrible. I don't think he's a good GM. (laughs) I don't think he is a GM. (laughs) I think he's playing the part of one, but this makes sense to me in that you're not picking up the whole contract. And here's my philosophy on it. And again, this time of year, I kind of pride myself in trying to think as coaches and teams think because it's when they actually tell you the truth. But I think their thoughts are we're gonna put the Sean in the in the in the shotgun and we're gonna take the philosophy of I would rather have five B to B plus receiving options on the field than an A, a C, a C minus, a B plus. You know what I mean? Like Hopkins is such a target black hole. I mean, he is going to suck so many in and he's awesome. But I think there is a growing philosophy of if I can trot out five good receiving options, and I think those are going to be Johnson and Johnson in the backfield, tight ends are a little lackluster, Fuller, cooks, you know, and stills. I mean, a fast group of receivers, and you're not really going to key on any, and I'm going to put Deshaun in the the shotgun, and I kind of let it slip last week. Like, I'll take Deshaun Watson as the fourth or fifth quarterback in fantasy this year. He's going to throw a ton.
0: And Bill O'Brien, in the end, will have an opportunity to say, hey, see, look. It, it all worked out and it was fine. So screw everybody yeah. that was, or maybe he'll be out of a job if this whole experiment doesn't work out. So that's definitely so
1: win the division and be, or be one of the seven playoff teams as they always are. And, right. You know, <laughs> you and know. a
0: fascinating team to follow. And as it did in our mock draft, it's going to change how things go. I think probably in the draft for, uh, in both those teams, the Rams and, and Texans that were involved in that trade don't have first round picks. And so the Rams obviously needing to add some draft capital uh, if they need to uh, add depth to that roster. And then the Texans now maybe have a little bit less of a need to draft that wide receiver in right. round two. So, Matt. And with all
1: respect to this class, Cook gives them more this year than that round two receiver would have.
0: Right, and and that makes sense from the Texans' perspective, where it's like, okay, well, you lost a, a target hog there. Let's add a player that can really help now. And even if it does turn out to be a, an awful move that they traded away, DeAndre Hopkins, you have yeah. an NFL starting caliber player that's still. By the way, Brandon Cooks is still only like twenty six years old, which blows me away. uh So young coming out of Oregon State, but you you have current weapons that can play up. So it's, you're not just saying, okay, well, let's draft a guy and, and hope.
1: Right, right, right. And again, I think it's more of a let's have a lot of options as opposed to one that everyone's going to key on and make Deshaun the point guard and playmaker and play breaks down and Cooks is, you know, busting free deep downfield.
0: Coming up, I am going to see if some of these lies coming out of front offices, if they actually are lies, we'll see if they pass the smell test from Matt Williamson. And we'll also check in and we will throughout the week check in with more of Matt's positional rankings. We'll see if we have time. We want to talk offensive tackle rankings coming up. Okay, Matt. And actually, this sort of ties into offensive linemen because there's one bit of news we haven't talked about, but one of the top linemen in this class that's a first-rounder on pretty much every single board you see in every analyst mock draft is Mekhi Becton out of Louisville, a monstrous man, wild people at the Combine uh, with the way he ran at six, seven, three hundred and sixty, 360-whatever pounds he was, 364. Um, but he got dinged with a drug test. And even if you don't care too much and the new CBA is a lot more lenient on that sort of thing if you don't care if your players are smoking pot then you know maybe it's not a big deal but then it's like okay this is the biggest job interview of your life so you're sort of not passing you know the intelligence test there more than more than anything so I wonder how much that will hurt him and then As far as lying front offices go, and uh, I don't think Mark Twain was speaking about the NFL draft when he said there's lies, damn lies, and statistics, but it it really fits when you talk about the NFL draft. Um, One anonymous scout, and I think it was a Bob McGinn article who has really great stuff here. They've been great, by the way. You hear so many crazy things, and sometimes I'm like, man, this can't be real. Like These people are employed by NFL teams? What's going on here? Um, But one of them about (laughs) Mekhi Becton this scout said he was his fifth offensive tackle in the class. wasn't a part of that tier that we always talk about because he likes to cook more than he likes friggin' football. Was the quote here? And then now he gets deemed with the drug test from the combine. So, what are your thoughts on that about Makai Becton? Do you think there are some teams that are that are way out on Makai Becton as being that elite level offensive tackle in this class as far as draft stock goes?
1: Well, before we get to him specifically. I think draft rumors this year, draft buzz, are even less reliable than ever. I mean, one big thing that I was just thinking about the other day, too, is that's one of the things that pro days are so good for, is you get a lot of people together. It's like old ladies in a sewing circle at the LSU pro day, sitting there talking about rumors and buzz and letting the right people know or the wrong things out. And, like, none of that happened. Like, none of these people got together together maybe went to a watering hole after or whatever, or sat there and had a cold one in the airport on their way back home or whatever. So a lot of way, way less interpersonal meetings where something could slip or, you know, th- this is all texting and things like that, of people kind of buzzing around the league or who are Schefter's sources or McGinn's sources, so to speak. So I think it's a lot less reliable and it's a lot more calculated of what gets let out. Back to Beckton, I mean, and that's the other point, too, is, as always, this is no different than any other year from where I sit, I don't know any of these human beings, but I've been fortunate enough to be on the other side of the wall, and knowing these human beings is extremely, extremely important, and their off-the-field interests, their love for football, nobody cares that Beckton likes to cook, they might worry that he likes to eat, But if he (laughs) doesn't love football and he wants to be a chef in life and not block people, though, that's a concern. I mean, um, and then the last note, and I'm not getting on your case because I read the headline the same way. We're assuming that it's marijuana. Like anytime anyone fails a drug test now, I just assume it's dope. But it could be something else.
0: Right. Yeah. And if it's uh, something that is, you know, prescription drugs that maybe he's abusing something or, you know, obviously there's much harder drugs that it could be. Uh, the assumption every time I see that with a college kid is obviously a marijuana thing. But yeah, we, we don't know that. And the report wasn't exact on what that drug is. So maybe we'll find out more about that. But Makai Becton's an interesting one. And you see him as high as number four to the New York Giants. And I think he's potentially, yeah. you know, 14 overall, four to 14 wouldn't surprise me. But maybe he is not among those top three or four offensive tackles now. And who knows? Maybe maybe a little bit of a fall in store for Mekhi Becton.
1: I guess it's possible. I mean, if you're the Jets and you're torn between Judy and tackle, now maybe you go Judy. Or let's say Cleveland trades Odell Beckham, and they're thinking tackle or receiver. Maybe they go receiver where they wouldn't have before. My hunch is at worst, it'll influence Beckton to being OT4 as opposed to maybe being higher. But I don't think all of a sudden Josh Jones or you know guys like that are going ahead of him.
0: You know what? Let's get into your offensive tackle rankings now. And then in the final segment, we'll talk more about some of these other lies. Just because we're talking about Becton, let's see how you feel mm-hmm. about him. You know, and, and probably you did these rankings before the news of that. Right. So this is not really right. factoring in that kind of thing. And and obviously we don't know. the And that's the one thing that we never have. And from the outside looking in and, and you're not in the team meeting rooms and you're not even on those conference calls and you don't know what the medicals look like. That's the incomplete information we have. So we just go by the player that we've seen and the testing and the workouts and, and the on-field stuff. Some of the off-field stuff could be really bad for a prospect and we don't really know that much about it. So uh, as far as your rankings go, you have Makai Becton third overall. So which two tackles do you have ahead of him?
1: I have Wills clearly number one, which isn't a knock on a great, foursome of top, you know, players at this position prospects that I think would be OT one, almost any year they've come out the last five years. I'm just very, very impressed with Wills. I mean, he's one of the youngest of the group, um, experienced people hold against him. He's a right tackle, but two, is a left-handed quarterback. I mean, played as a true freshman at Bama explodes off the ball. I'm really high on him.
0: The floor is so high on Jedrick Wills and I think the ceiling is high because I've seen his movement skills both on tape and then he worked out at the combine. Fantastic. Didn't get the headlines that Wirfs and Beckton did at the combine, but really great workouts. There meets all the height, weight, speed, um, you know, arm length and everything you look for to tackle. He is so safe. He's a slam dunk to me. And if I'm a team that needs an offensive tackle, just draft him and forget about it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I 100 percent agree. And he actually has. As long a wingspan as anyone else in this class, except for Isaiah Wilson, including Becton, even though he's only a little over six four. I mean, some people are saying, oh, he's a guard body type. No way. No. I mean, and you mentioned the combine. If it wasn't for Worfs and Becton, which did historic or in Cleveland. Who did historically great things at this position? We're all be talking about Will's like what an amazing combine because right. it was an amazing combine.
0: <laughs> yeah, and technically sound and his you know the son yeah. of a coach and all of those things too. That's why he was able to play so early at Alabama. So yeah, Jedrick Wills, I'm with you. He's the top tackle in this class. We'll see if he gets drafted first or if a team swings for the fences It's one of the higher upside players. And I think that might even be overblown about how much more upside there is yeah. in the next two offensive tackles on the on your list, but you have, I'm sure, those out there probably could guess that Tristan Wirfs is your number two tackle in this class.
1: He is, and he's an amazing athlete, but I keep coming back to his athletic background. You know, like, you look at a lot of these dudes, Andrew Thomas, Josh Jones, I mean, just tackles in general. Many of them are six six people that have played a lot of basketball and mirror their opponent as a defensive player on the hardwood. You know, just a lot of traits obviously overlap to pass pro and playing defense on, on basketball. And just, you know, a lot of these guys are long and it it makes a lot of sense that a lot of former basketball players are tackles, but Werfs is a wrestler slash shot put guy. And that's much more of a guard Mm -hmm. guard type of um, athlete, you know, hand fighters, one-on-one combat, tight quarters, leverage, power, toughness, Um, explosion from those track and field events. And I think that's what he is. So if he washes, he he reminds me of Brandon Scherf in that way, in that I know he's a tackle. He's going to get drafted in the top 10 as a tackle. He might be a really good one, but he might be the best guard in the league.
0: Right. And so there's some bust factor with him because maybe he doesn't play to his workout numbers. And then you see his tape and it's a little bit less consistent than someone like Wills. And, maybe he's not as good of a tackle as you hope when you draft him uh-huh. that high. But you have that parachute of him. Of, he's probably going to be a guaranteed really great guard, even if he does end up there. So both bust factor, but high floor in that not a tackle, but maybe a guard. So still, it makes you feel comfortable drafting someone that high with all those uh, physical gifts.
1: Yeah, 100% agree. But I wrote an article for a Giants site saying, well, first of all, I like Wills better, but Wills would easily be my choice if I'm picking at four. Because, oh, by the way, I'm pretty good at guard. Like, I don't have a spot for Wirfs if he doesn't move work at a tackle. I need two tackles. I don't need guards.
0: And it's interesting because both of your top two tackles are were right tackles in college, and the two yeah. left tackles you have at three and four. We've talked a lot about Beckton, who's number three on your list, and you have Andrew Thomas, number four on your list. What was the deciding factor in, in all of these guys, and, and how much of a separation was there between one and four?
1: Not a ton. Um, I thought Thomas is very experienced. Most years would be the first tackle off the board. Um, has some aggression to him. He, he isn't far from being off the top of the list. I don't know that his ceiling's as high as the other three. Beckton is just a moldable piece of clay that you'd, I'm sure, o to, you know, O-line coaches would love to get their hands on. And he'll mash you in the run game as you would expect. And if he gets his hands on you, it's over. But there's, he needs the most work and protection of all these guys. I mean, he's a little too aggressive. He can, he can get leaning in one direction, and that big body just sort of keeps going in that direction.
0: Yeah, that, I'm glad you said that. That's one of the things I did notice on Thomas was just a little bit of a lean, and uh, gets over yeah. his skis sometimes when he's on the move, but he's athletic enough to get out on the move just to play a little bit more under control. But, I mean, played in the SEC starter for three years. He played on the right side, played a lot on the left side. So you got to be feel really comfortable if you're – picking even at you know even at four in some years but you know all the way back into the middle of the first round if he's still there it's an easy choice for say the Buccaneers which is why he always gets mocked at 14 overall to the Bucs he's like okay he's a right tackle he's a left tackle whatever plug him in and and let's go it gets a lot interesting a lot more interesting on your offensive line rankings Uh, we'll get to the rest of these here and there's a couple of interior offensive linemen in your top 10 mixed in with those offensive tackles we'll get to those players next Okay, Matt, who's your uh, your fifth tackle after that first group of four offensive tackles that everyone unanimously in some order likes as their top four? Who's your fifth tackle, and then who's your top interior
1: offensive lineman? Josh Jones is easily number five for me, and I think the best way to describe him is pro football focus loves him because they grade everything snap after snap after snap. He just has very, be- very few poor snaps. I mean, he wins time and time again it's not the SEC i understand that but just productive on a snap by snap basis and it's not short on traits at all um cesar Caesar louise is my clearly my number one interior player he looks like i always hate saying these things because anyone could get hurt or bust but he looks like a 10 year starting center you know what i mean he he's really good at everything not an elite athlete but he plays hard i mean he's Uh, a good athlete he's experienced he could play guard if you need him I mean I think he'll be a top 10 type of center in the league
0: yep and those are my first round sort of I mean you can't say lock when it comes to the NFL draft but a lot of people have acted surprised like oh maybe Cesar Ruiz will get into the first round I mean he's a slam dunk first rounder to me at the end of the first round a lot of those teams could use an interior offensive lineman Uh, I think it's really easy you plug him in and he'll play for a long time for your football team whether it's guard or center, or starts out at guard and ends up being a center, depending on what the team needs that drafts him. Josh Jones, I love him as the fifth offensive tackle off the board as well. And then things get very interesting. The rest of your list, I'm going to read it off in order, and you give me your thoughts on these guys and why you have them there. Uh, Austin Jackson, you have at seven, just ahead of Ezra Cleveland at eight. The only other interior offensive lineman in your top ten is LSU center, Lloyd Cushenberry, and then the other Georgia tackle, Isaiah Wilson, at ten.
1: Yeah, and... Prince Tega and Lucas Nang and Matt Peart. I mean, there's some other good ones. Shadik Charles that did not make this list. Um, I went with Jackson over Cleveland. I know the Cleveland's an elite athlete, but you look at Jackson's athleticism. It's not much different. He's a very young player. I mean, he had his hip drilled into not that long ago to give marrow to his sister and he's still played through that and recovered, I think he's got a chance to be a better all-around, high ceiling guy than Cleveland, who is a zone, you know, uh, O'Neal for the Vikes type of guy. Good, you know, former tight end type of guy. Good athlete for sure, but doesn't play super powerful. I know he did well on the bench, but um, still some upside there. And and light on his feet, and a lot to work with. I look at Cushingberry as a plug and play, longer arms for centers than most guys find. Um, probably not super high upside, but will help a team immediately and should stay a foundation of any line. And then Wilson, I, he could get in the first round. I mean, two of these Georgia yeah. tackles are possible just because the traits. I mean, obviously the mass. I mean, he's a huge human being who moves pretty well. And, I mean, 350 pounds, I think a lot of teams are going to say, yeah, I can figure out something to do with him.
0: A little bit of stiffness there, but if that's the sort of offensive lineman you're looking for and just the mass and strength that he has, if you want that power right tackle, then Isaiah Wilson might be your guy. And that actually ties me into some of the uh, the lies, damn lies and statistics here that we were talking about. Uh, The other tackle I have on this list is that both Daniel Jeremiah and Dane Brugler have heard. And now I think uh, Lance Zerline was saying the same thing on Twitter that Georgia offensive tackle Isaiah Wilson will be a late first round pick. So two things, is he worthy of that first round selection? And how many offensive linemen are going to go? Maybe a lot of big people sneak into the end of round one that aren't getting mocked there right now.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I just named 10 people and he was number 10. I don't think Cushenberry is going to be a first round pick, but I think all the others have a shot at least. Does that mean we'll get eight? I mean... If you're putting over-under on offensive linemen, if it was seven and a half, I think I'd go over.
0: How about this one? This is from Ian Rappaport. He says, the Browns want to move down and draft an offensive tackle like Ezra Cleveland late in the first round. Do you move out of the opportunity to draft one of those top four tackles to go down so you can draft Ezra Cleveland?
1: It's funny. I mean, how great would it be if Cleveland drafts Cleveland? But (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that one since the combine. I mean, so... I actually believe that Cleveland loves Cleveland but where does that where's it worth your time you know I mean maybe you like him where let's say he's a late first rounder but you would take him at 22 23 and you know you can pick up a future first in the process or a second or something or a player or who knows that would make perfect sense to me and I meant it's funny I didn't put two and two together here but I just compared him to Brian O'Neill from the Vikes, and their head coach comes oh. over from the Vikes. I mean, that's exactly yeah. what they're looking for now.
0: Okay, I like that. About and, that, yeah. And still a very analytically driven front office to where that's a team yeah. that I think is going to be listening to offers to move down just about every draft if that group stays in the front office. Here's another one to go along with that, and I've seen this multiple places now, talking about Denver Broncos moving up, and Michael Lombardi put those two things together, said the Broncos are trying to move up in front of, the New York Jets, Las Vegas Raiders, and San Francisco 49ers with the Browns to draft a wide receiver. And then Woody Page threw it out there with some of his connections in Denver, trying to move up to eight or 10 to draft Jerry Judy.
1: See, they got the extra picks. I mean, if you listen to the extravaganza last week, they didn't get their guy and then came back in the first round and got Mims and that worked out great. But wouldn't you rather get the bird in the hand here and get the the, the receiver of choice, whoever that is? Do you think it's Judy? I mean, I could see Rugs as well. Mm-hmm. Speed is obviously going to be important. They have the resources to do it. Uh, I'm buying that rumor.
0: If you're the Broncos or the Maybe Browns, you are you... Like, is this helping you if you're if this is a lie and you're putting it out there? Is that helping you at all? Are you trying to now say, oh, hey, let's float Judy. So everyone because everyone's on the tail of rugs and knows we like rugs. Let's float Judy's name out there instead, just to at least throw people off our tail, even though everyone knows that we're trying to move up because we're calling a bunch of teams. Like, why does a team lie is another aspect of this to sort of see if it passes that lie detector.
1: Yeah, and a lot of them this time of year start to end up being. I know that you know that I know that you know that I, you know, like, and in, in the end, it's like, what's the difference? I'm still going to take my favorite guy, you know, that I, I don't know how much you can manipulate the other 31 teams through rumors and by telling Mel and Todd and DJ and all those guys, I mean, I have mixed feelings on that whole process and how much of it do I really believe and how much of it are, People like ourselves even to think, well, this is a good idea. They should try this, but they have no intentions of doing it. You know, so uh, moving up makes sense to me, though, for Denver. Get your choice of receivers. They'd be pretty happy with that.
0: And a lot of this is teams talking to a reporter about what they think other teams will do, but not saying what they will do. So then it becomes this crazy rumor mill of, oh, I think this team's going to do that. And then it becomes, oh, this team we think that this team is doing that when the source doesn't actually come from the team, it's coming from what other people expect them to do. And so it just gets really convoluted and strange this time of year, because I don't think many teams are telling anybody you know how good or how well-placed their sources are and how many scouts even know exactly what their own GM is going to do, which is another one. Cause you know, a lot of these war rooms are pretty small. Um, as That's far as, what I was going to
1: say. Two, two aspects you touched on there is there's a, hum, you know, a human aspect of this in that if a an anonymous st- scout talks to a reporter and tells him, I don't know, 500 words of information, well, that reporter is going to turn it into whatever's going to sell the story the best and listen to, you know, <laughs> like my kids and have very selective right. hearing, you know, and, and also like, unlike most years, the not top scouts, you know, the other guys that are, you know, the foot soldier types, probably no less than ever. And they might be the ones just trying to talk and help in their careers any way they can, too. So they may be less, you know, viable pieces of information anyway.
0: And some of the anonymous scouts we talked about in the Bob McGinn article, it's like, man, I hope my team is not listening to that scout because that guy doesn't come off as the brightest dude when he's talking about some of these prospects. But that's another interesting aspect for another day. Uh, Really quick here, another one involving the quarterbacks, and this is a common one, and this one from... NFL.com's Tom Pellicero, who polled 12 executives, seven of them said uh, Herbert is going to go ahead of Tua, and many people have said Tua now potentially falling out of the top 10, and maybe even Herbert falling out of the top 10. How do you feel about those rumors of those quarterbacks getting past five and
1: six? I'm not buying this one. I mean, I've been kind of buying into these rumors. I'm not buying into this one. I also think more and more that if Herbert and or Tua or even love start to fall. I think the Jags and Raiders might be bigger players than we may have given them credit for a couple weeks ago. Just to grab a guy in round one and say, thank you. I think two is too good at playing football at the most valuable position in the league. And I know he could have that, that video he put out could have meant nothing, but he's at least moving around. I mean, he made a video. He's not, you know, <laughs> and he's not in a wheelchair. He's not in the hospital bed. I mean, he's moving around, I don't believe at all that his stock's falling. I think he's great at football. He's a phenomenal prospect. We were all tanking for Tua not that long ago, and his film has nothing, has never changed that. I think people are smoke screening left and right. And if maybe we'll get the draft bets at some time, but I would put a ducket down that he's the second quarterback taken.
0: Yeah. And even if you are, say, the Los Angeles Chargers and you don't want to trade up because. A little right. bit of uncertainty there, medical-wise. If you're sitting there at 6, and Burrow goes 1, and the Dolphins take Herbert at 5, you don't even have to trade up. Tua falls in your lap. I mean, I just can't see him getting past that spot.
1: I can't. I, I, he's too good.
0: All right, good stuff there, Matt. I think a lot of lies, maybe a little truth behind some of these lies. If we get any good ones the rest of the week, we'll we'll dive into some of those and see if they pass The smell test. And we will have a special guest on tomorrow's show, Matt Miller of Bleacher Report, NFL draft analyst. We'll bounce some things off of him. Tuesday, we'll have a Twitter Thursday draft morning before the draft. And the real thing happens Thursday. And we'll have the first round broken down for you on Friday's show right here, Locked on NFL.